Hello, and welcome to Bad End. This is episode number 88. I'm Josh Calixto, joined by my co-host, Kyle Cookstell. How's it going, bud? I will say that last week, I finally realized that my Twitter bio said I was one third of Bad End Podcast, but since Katie's left, I'm now half of Bad End Podcast. So I'm now 50% of Bad well, End, where I feel I mean, more Bad End this week than I've ever felt Bad End in my life. One could argue that you are still one third. If one they could see argue. me as if they see me as two thirds. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's you know right. What I'm saying <laughs> it depends on how you perceive the show. You should definitely write two thirds of bad end podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're the editor as well. So there you go. There's a way if where that counts. You're two. You know, how <laughs> <laughs> we contribute. Okay. Anyway. Last week, we gave our pre-review of Cyberpunk 2077, I guess, well, two weeks ago, last episode. That was a joke, uh, if you couldn't tell. It was satirical. I didn't um, know it was a joke. We, I hope we made that obvious. You guys, you didn't play Cyberpunk? I played it right before that podcast. Oh, you did? Dude, you got the, the dead reviewers on. There was cursed. There were some things I was dead on about. Elevators definitely make an appearance. Of There's some screens. elevators in there for sure. <laughs> Donna um, Haraway sniper battle. Roy was dead on. A hundred percent spot on. Um, but yeah, the game actually came out since that episode and we have played it for reals. Uh, there has been some drama, some juicy gamer drama. There's been some disappointment. Uh, a lot of people upset. Sell those CDPR stocks, kids. <laughs> Dude, I actually bought CDPR stock and it's tanking right now. You really did? Yeah, I did. Oh no, Kyle. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the graph. I'm just going to, you can keep talking, but I'm going to pull up the graph. I'm sure it looks ugly. It's not, it's not a good graph. We're going to spend a lot of our time to see as a shareholder. (laughs) So we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about cyberpunk 2077 because first half we usually, Oh Jesus Christ. He's showing me the graph and it's going down. It's bad. It's, it's, it's not good. I hope you didn't buy it when it was at high. When it was peaking. Oh, it was definitely high when I bought it. Josh Calixto. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this poor man. Uh, anyway. We're going to talk about cyberpunk. We're going to talk about cyberpunk because we usually talk about the video games we played that week. And then the second half, we talk about like uh, like the bigger trends. And there's a lot of things that are kind of coming home to roost with cyberpunk 2077 that I think are important for us to discuss uh, now that we have this context around it. Uh, that being said, I did play another game this week um, oh, really? that I would like to talk about, at least for a little bit before we get right into Cyberpunk, because I know, you know, we know that's going to be the thing, we know that's going to be, you know, that's going to be the thing we're talking about for most of the episode, but I played Spiritfarer. Oh, the hugging game. The huggy game. Huggy game. Yeah. Huggy, like the diapers. Um, and? So the setup for this video game, by the way, is you are like rowing your little, you got a little boat and you're rowing it. You're like, who is this person that I'm playing as? She's like a cute girl um, with like a little cat, like a spirity cat that like floats around. And uh, you're talking to this like hooded, like spiritual figure who's like, no, you're the the spirit fairy. You're the, you have to like watch everyone who goes into the afterlife. And it's Karen, Karen. From, if yeah. you remember Hades, the, 
he's not like a scary figure in this, and he talks to you, and he's kind of like passing you. So you're the new Charon. Charon. I don't know how you. Sorry for butchering the pronunciation. Charon. I think Caron? it's. I always said Karen, which sounds like Karen, Karen but yeah, I think it's, it sounds like you're saying. You don't want to say like Caron. It's not like that. I think it's just Karen, but Caron Butler, Karen, famous basketball player. Yeah. Anyway, you're the new Karen, Karen, and um, you end up like having this big old boat that you hold these like spirits on, and it's kind of like Hades meets like Animal Crossing or something, Harvest Moon type thing, where what you're doing is like you're basically. You're cooking stuff for the people on the boat. You're finding new people to come on the boat. And like the whole time, they're kind of like reckoning with their deaths and talking about like memories of their life and stuff like that. So it's kind of like dark as a base thing because it's very much about death. It's about crossing over. But it's also about, you know, having someone there that cares about you and that like is is taking care of you and is there talking to you and everyone it, it's it's about like the afterlife as like this sort of like sense and the community that comes with it in this imaginary space community of death i would say so it has a lot of the nice core i guess you know points that we would typically criticize on this show but i think that is actually somewhat of a good thing somewhat of a strength considering the game is so much about death i would compare it more to like edith finch but less like weirdly macabre and like offhanded yeah. about the way it handles death. I think it's more like respectful. I think it's, it's kind of got this like sense of positivity it's around death it. Positive. Like this it's death positive. It's got this like wistful nature to it. And it's also just like, it's very chill, very laid back. It's got that like animal crossing sort of. You're also, you're also sort of burying the lead on this game, which I think is the key selling point, which is that it is like, it's like Disney tier animation. I would say the, like the look and the animation of the characters is like all 2d, like illustrated stuff. And it looks very good. Um, yes. like the yes. character design is really like some of the stuff straight up feels like, like what's like, it's like the seven old men or something of Disney. It feels like it's what they would sort of draw in their off time. Like very, very, very Disney ish character design stuff, which is like, not really done. And I also think I haven't, I played the, I've played the demo, I guess the games festival demo of the game and was like, felt like I had enough of it. But like the thing that I'll say about it too, though, is that like, I think a lot of times you get games that are like really well illustrated. I'm thinking of like Gris or that's the one off the top of my head, but basically games that are like really well illustrated that don't have sort of a depth of mechanics as well. It's like, Oh, it's a platformer and I animated some walking stuff. That's really pretty. And that's it. But like, there's a lot of stuff in this game where it's not just like running around in a map. Like Josh was saying, you're building buildings on a boat and you're like going to all these towns and you're talking to people and you're like doing actions and stuff that are all also really well animated. So what I did play of it, it did like feel good and looked really good too. Like it feels like you're sort of playing through uh, like a Disney-esque storybook thing, which I think really matches the theme of the game well as well. Like it feels very like a, right. a darker Disney story about like helping nice benevolent creatures. Like the, it's also, it's very fantasy, right? Like you're helping like a giant bear or like a spirit deer 
or whatever. It's not, you're not helping people. They're sort of like mystical fairy creatures and stuff. And it feels very like Bambi beauty and the beastie, like height of Disney animation stuff. So I think I imagine a lot of people know about the game in part just because it really does look really, really, really pretty. Yeah, it has that like Outer Wilds thing of like a lot of the subject matter at its core is pretty dark. So um, having these kind of like approachable, almost childish designs makes it a lot easier to digest. So I think it's great because of that. And then a lot of the stuff that you're doing is like you're like kind of fulfilling the last requests of these people. You're keeping you're keeping them happy on your their your boat. You're trying to um, just like ease them into the afterlife a bit. Um, and some of them have like their little anxieties. Like one of them is very afraid of this like creature she sees in her dreams. Um, you got to like feed them and make sure that they're not hungry. So it's, it's like you're managing a lot of like Tamagotchi at the same time while like tending to your crops and fishing and doing all these little side activities um, that are all very chill I would say it's even like less of an investment. It's even like easier to do this stuff than it, like the basic things are in Animal Crossing, you know? Yeah, there's like very little labor that's involved or like the cycles of labor are really short. Yes, and they don't present like a challenge. Whereas in Animal Crossing, catching a fish, if you press the button at the wrong time, like you'll just lose the fish and you have to like right. look around for five more minutes looking for a fish. Whereas in this, it's like if you see a fish, like it's, the fail state is pretty difficult to get to. It's like, so you're mostly just, you know, working toward your goal of helping these people like ease into the afterlife. Um, and yeah, the the conversations are poignant. I, I really like where it goes with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I did end up dropping it for cyberpunk, obviously. <laughs> but um, I, I do see myself getting back to it because I'm like, oh, you know, it would be nice a little bit of spirit fair right now. What's like... Um, one thing that I sort of felt when I played it was like, I sort of did the, so the demo was like an hour and a half long maybe. And it wasn't, it didn't really give me a good sense of what the like long game of spirit fair is. Like, are you still sort of doing that same like hour long loop of like helping someone out, doing a thing, going back to them, building up your base a little bit, or is there sort of like a bigger narrative that's happening or like, what's like the long, as you, far as you, I've gotten, yes, but it becomes more about like the management of multiple people and things and items and requests that you get. It, it kind of like piles on and it, it has a tendency to feel like, Oh my God, this is like very close to getting overwhelming where like I have hmm. six different people on this ship that all want different things. And I'm like on my way to go pick up another one. But then like, you know, you upgrade your boat, you, um, and, it never asks like more of you than you can give to the game, which is kind of nice. It's always like, it doesn't feel like one of the people on your boat is going to die if you don't do something, you know, it, it, it's never the consequences and stakes are never that high. So I think that's what it is. It's just like a constant loop that is calming. You get to see these like kind of new environments, meet new characters. And that's what, what, the drive is in the core loop where it's like you're meeting new characters, experiencing these like new stories. I I did this little like thing where one of the characters that I was trying to, to get to come onto my boat was like an organizer um, who was like leading this big strike against a corporation. Timely topical. Cute. Yeah. Very uh, indie game stuff. 
Joja Corp. Take them down. <laughs> um, I remember one other thing in Spearfare that I felt was heavily underutilized and almost makes me wonder if they were making a different game before this was that like the character feels so good to control. Um, like it feels like it almost feels like meat boy esque precise, like with some of the jumps and tricks and stuff you can do with the person that feels like to me, it sort of, it felt like a little bit dissonant based on what I played where I was like, why can I, why is the platforming so exact and so good when so much of the game is like you're jumping around a little bit, but it feels more like the game's not so much about platforming as it feel like it's like when you're, when you're playing as the person, it sort of feels like it should be about like a puzzle platformer type thing. Is there more of that stuff later on or there's definitely platforming sections. Like you get a double jump and stuff like that pretty on early on in the game. And then um, some of like the challenges are like you get swarmed by these like mysterious like uh, celestial jelly death jellyfish, orbs jellyfish that like come to your ship and you have to like collect them. But like part of that is like a lot of them will be like very high up, so you have to like have your ship built up to a height such that you can uh, like jump onto the roof and of your ship and then like jump off and grab these jellyfish and stuff like that so there is platforming involved but it yeah you're right it it never really feels like a platformer at least it hasn't up until this point maybe it'll get that way later on but yeah you're right i but i i think that might be just like like it feels like dust force right like i know you're a fellow dust force boy like it's got like it feels like you want to it's it feels like a speed running character controller like it's like oh it's like oh it's it's precise. It's reactive. You can like sort of mess with the system Dude, a little bit. I think we just feel this way about platformers. I, I think it's not that difficult to do this. Like, I mean, this is coming from a person who doesn't make video games, but <laughs> as a person who it's not that hard plays to make a, video a game. lot of video games, I think that a lot of platformers trend toward the Mario school slash like Prince of Persia school of like imperfect control where you know you let go of the d-pad and mario slides for like 10 you know half a second or whatever and that is like what we've gotten used to where part of the skill is like learning how to account for these intricacies of how the character moves independent of like the input that you've put into the controller and when we have a game that is not like that that is just very one-to-one in the inputs it feels so tight. Like we describe it as being tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Mark of the Ninja, I think of, I think of like hollow Knight, for instance, very tight when it comes to that meat boy was slippery. It, yeah. it had this way of being both slippery and it felt precise at the same time. I'm not really sure how it managed that. Maybe there was like a clarity in its looseness, I would say. Um, but yeah, spirit fairer does feel very one-to-one. And because of that, it, it it feels tight when I don't but think also it necessarily like the, the moves is. of the person though. Like they're very the like animation, athletic. Yes. She's like yes. jumping and like doing flips and like there's bouncing this beautiful around. Thing. Yeah. There's this beautiful thing you do when you, when you jump onto like a slanted surface, like a rooftop and you're like, your character automatically starts sliding down it. And then if you jump off of a, that surface, she automatically does like this little pirouette through the air as you're jumping off of it. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's um, just, I remember like, I remember when I played the demo 
I just like, I was just jumping on surfaces because yeah, it feels so good and looks so cool where I was like, it almost feels like I should be like Bayonetta. Like give me spirit fair right. character controller with like Mark of the Ninja and guns. Right. I don't know. Yes, I agree. I mean, I think like <laughs> dead cells did that. Yeah. Pretty well, um, what it's like, what's know. it called? The, not the castle, the, the new Castlevania thing. Bloodstained. That's, Bloodstained, Symphony of the Night. You know, there's a, nope. there's a second Bloodstained game called. just to derail this conversation. Did you know that? Yeah. I had no idea. I was like on Steam and I saw Bloodstained 2 and I was like, excuse me? So that's out. Gamers. That's the one that I played, I think. No, because there was Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. No, that's that's a Castlevania game. There's yeah, the Bloodstained game. I made game. that same mistake like a, a minute ago. There's a Bloodstained game, but then there's literally a Bloodstained 2 like came out like a few months ago. I believe. No, it is called Ritual of the Night. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Isn't there another one? That's what I'm saying. A new one like just No, there was out. one before that, I think. No, like there, was the, there the was the old Bloodstained that was like the bad oh, animation Oh, Curse of stuff. the Moon. Curse of the Moon is the new one. Yeah, no it way. came out in July. I had no idea. Like, I, It's so weird because Bloodstained was such a big deal. And then like Bloodstained 2 came out and I've heard nothing about it wait curse of the moon 2 looks like a two bit or two two d like eight bit sort of thing wait what 16, wait so there's yeah. a oh my god what's going on this is confusing man okay so bloodstained curse of the moon 2 is a sequel to bloodstained curse of the moon which the spin-off of bloodstained ritual of the night Oh my God. And one of them is 2d. I guess it's cause like the same dude who did it to doing the Castlevania stuff is like, fine, I'll give you a 2d game. <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. Eight this, is, retro this, style. Is, this is too much. This is too much. This is absurd. Um, are you done talking about spirit fair? Yeah, I think I'm done talking about spirit fair. I played, uh, one other game I talked to you before we talk about cyberpunk, which is, sure. um, hit me. Hit me, Dad. Paper Mario Origami King is still amazing, but that's oh, I actually played about. that. I I did play oh. Origami King. How far did you get? Uh, I'm at like the second dungeon. So you that's the, the autumn the autumny area. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you let, let me hear your thoughts on? I was like talking a big talk about Origami King. I'm interested to hear your more reasoned response to it. I'm a little bit less. Um, I don't want to say I'm like less keen on it because I think it's great. And I think I see where you're coming from with your very, very high praise. I think that it is endlessly creative. Um, I, I it's funny. think it's charming. It's funny. There's like some stuff in there that's just like, this is brilliant for sure. Like just in the context of like what in another game would just be like a normal gaming moment ends up be like being like elevated to just something that's just very clever or just um, uses just like a really neat artistic flourish that you would never expect. Um, and there's just like this sense of like constant discovery and surprise. But I think I was expecting that to be on like a gameplay level or at some like higher level, but it's, it's within the context of the, paper mario formula that you kind of get when you start playing the game right so you start playing the game and it's a very specific way 
and the game doesn't really deviate from that but it does present you like with all of these things that i've been talking about like just these really interesting creative moments within the context of that so there's a lot of like this you know kyle talked about like discovering toads and they're kind of they kind of like hide these uh everything's made out of like paper obviously so (laughs) you find these like toads that are like hidden in random places but you'll find them just like it's very it's difficult to to know where they're going to be because they're always bending it in some way that you would never expect like literally bending them too, like they're paper so they'll be like folded in half under they'll be like it'll be something where there's a um like a table with books on it and one table has a sort of slightly off color book and then it's a toad and you hit it to make it become a toad. And he's like, oh, I was just getting to the good part. And it's like, wait, you yeah. were a book and you were reading yourself. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Or like you'll, there'll be like a weird looking flower and then like you hit it and it's a toad. But like, um, yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of that stuff. And I think there's just like a lot of really clever visual tricks in the locations and in the way that you play the game that they just make so much out of. Like it's a very restricted format, but yeah. they do a lot with it. Um, whereas I felt like Zelda Breath of the Wild did change up a lot of like the gameplay stuff. And that sense of adventure came from like having interactions and doing things that you would never expect. Whereas this, a lot of stuff is expected, but they like put little unexpected twists on it within the context of like the form itself. I'm talking about Paper Mario, Paper Mario now, for the record. It definitely um, feels like they, like, really, in this game, it feels like they, like, really de-emphasized the battle RPG stuff. I mean, there's still, like, a there's a battle system there, but it definitely feels like so much more of the game is not about fighting, which I think is, that's sort of the arc of Paper Mario, in my mind, is that the first game and second game were very more, like, it's an RPG and you're fighting RPG battles and stuff. But I think over time they've started to hit their stride with understanding that paper Mario is so much more about like exploration of Mario lore sounds really lame and it sort of is, but also it's kind of surprising how deep it is. Like it's sort of surprising to think of Mario as this thing that's got like a lot of characters besides Mario, Peach and Bowser that like have interesting things to talk about or like, interesting ways of existing like like even just someone that seems as boring as toad the toads in this game and the stuff they say make them feel like this sort of like existential everyman character where they're like like one toad is complaining about his mortgage payments and other one is talking about having kids and some of them have like anxieties and stuff that feel like i don't know like postmodern. it's like very strange clever little thing like the fast travel in this game you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> there's there's like a fast travel mechanic in this game that is you fax yourself oh, yeah. to a different location and it's just like <laughs> the most hilarious shit when you You're like why it. would like, you it's like how do you fast travel in a game made of paper? And it's like, oh well obviously Mario gets faxed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Like I that's kind of a spoiler of a of a joke. But that's like the kind of joke that you encounter all the time in this game. And it's just they're always clever and they're always like cute, but they're always like genuinely funny at the same time. And I, 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 I dig that. Um, the combat is, is a trip, man. 
Granted, it's weird, I right? I don't know if it is good. Oh, I'm I, with I you. I think it's like, I think like a lot of the time, the pattern recognition you need to have, it's like, it's it's not the kind of thing where it feels like you can just like train that skill of like seeing these patterns. It's like you either have it or you don't. Like you either see the pattern yeah. or you don't. And if you don't, then they give you a lot of tools to like deal with it, which is like you can just basically like skip the battle, like have That's, toads come and help you. Well, it's also cool. like just before you talk about that, I, I will say just in the point of Mario de-emphasize Paper Mario de-emphasizing battle, like in other Paper Mario games, you had to battle to sort of progress. In this game, basically, you can avoid battles more or less. Like you don't, you don't get anything from them no, besides like experience money. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's That's no true. so you can basically avoid them, and eventually you get like a stronger hammer, and you can just bap things that are in the environment and not even start the encounter. But also, there is something quietly like low key brilliant about it. I think, which is that the eyes with which you have to look at combat in this game are the same eyes through which you have to use when doing arts and crafts. Cause the game is about like paper and origami and folding things in yeah. on one another. And this game is all about like, Oh, do you see the pattern? Are you able to like fold the game state, the board state into something that is advantageous for you? So it's, it's very much like, you're almost you're almost doing origami in 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 battle to create this like board state that allows you to do the most damage or whatever but the way that you think about it is the way that you would approach problem solving when it comes to arts and crafts which i think is really clever and it's something that you don't really typically see from a game like this which is why it's so like it's so weird at first but it's so weird it's like it's hard to describe it even on a podcast. If, if you're like listening to it and have no idea what we're talking about, just look up origami King battle system and it'll just make, it'll make more sense as soon as you see it. I will say like, it's one like a Rubik's, it's like a Rubik's cube. It's like a Rubik's cube. It's like a where, flat circular Rubik's cube. Yes. It's like, it's like sort of a Rubik's cube type thing with a lot less possibilities than a Rubik's cube, obviously, but you're trying to like essentially get the, the bad guys into like specific spots on like this board that help you. Like if you line them up, you can jump on them all. Or if you get them all in a clump, you can hit them with your hammer. Um, so you're just trying to like organize it. <laughs> you're trying to just like organize this like very chaotic object in front of you. I will say what Josh just said about um, the options for battle. You can line them up to jump on them or put them in a clump to hit them with your hammer is like probably the biggest letdown so far of the game because that is what you do for every single battle every single time and it has not changed <laughs> yet and, and you're I'm, like a lot further than i am i'm assuming. i'm like i think i'm two areas ahead of you and like it's just the same and it's it's sort of like when you play it at first you're like oh this is really cool i'll be excited to see what they do with this but like Every single battle is the exact same where it's put them in a line or put them in a little clump. And then also like there's never, I mean, maybe it changes, but like there's no other ways to attack the board. So you either attack in a straight line or you attack in a clump, a two by two clump. And it just feels like if there was more diversity to how the enemies had to be lined up or like more ways that your powers could affect them, it would be cool. And maybe it changes. Maybe it changes like right after the area I'm in. 
but so far it's just been like, I just stopped doing battles cause they're not even fun. It's like, I don't want to have to put things in a line or in a clump every single time. Right. Um, I mean, it, to be fair, it is like one of the least compelling parts of this game. Yeah. Um, but the rest is so, so charming. And I, I, I do like the battle transition sequences where it's like little pieces of construction paper, like oh, that yeah. make it look like just like a transition screen. That's like battle start. And it's just so cute, dude. I, it's fucking cute. And you see the little like origami Goombas running into the fucking, Oh my God. It's, it's adorable. It's so dude. cute. That's oh, crazy. The crazy thing too, is that like, I was like very excited about it last podcast or two podcasts ago when I don't remember we talked about it, but I'm like, what I was worried about was that the game would not be able to keep it up. Like, I think it's, it's a very, it's very much a thing in games where there's like a very strong opening for a few hours and it just sort of settles into this kind of boring rhythm. And like, I will say that I have been consistently surprised nonstop and I'm, it's, it's almost hard to enjoy it cause I'm worried it's going to tank and be bad, but also considering like how good something like the thousand year door is and how good this is. I'm like, I think they might just do it. Like they might just keep this up, keep this interesting and exciting all the way through. Keep being surprising. Like I could even tell you what was after the level you're at. Are you, have you gone down the river in the autumn area yet? I don't think so. Okay. Even just what you're about to encounter is like, there's no way you'd be able to guess it right now. If I, and it's just like, it's stuff like that nonstop. And it's never even like crazy so much that it's like dissonant. It's just sort of like, it's just always consistently surprising and exciting. And yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to savor the game when I'm playing through it because it's just so good. So consistently that I don't want to just binge it and then be like, well, my life is over now because this is, this game is so good that I can only ever experience this with fresh eyes once. So I'm just sort of like, and now obviously cyberpunk is out. So it's like, it, it feels when I go to it, it's just so great to be able to play something and be like, I'm going to be surprised and delighted for an hour and mm-hmm. or not or two hours and then stop playing it and then just, you know, check back in. So I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it as well. I am. I am. What was that? What you wanted to talk about that you played this week? Um, no, I wanted to talk a little bit about oxygen, not included, but I feel like we're, we could talk about cyberpunk too. The only thing I want to say about oxygen, not included was that I don't know if you've had this thing. What is oxygen not included? Oxygen not included is the colony sim game by clay who did Mark of the Ninja actually, but also um, they did Grifflands. They did Don't Starve, all that stuff. Oh, okay. K-L-E-I. So it's a game where you are building. We're, we're, I'm trying to, we're trying to do this thing where <laughs> with genre names, we like actually explain what it is. Cause in, in the interest of being like more approachable to, for people who like don't maybe play as much video games, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, a colony sim being a game that simulates managing and controlling the development of a colony. Correct, Kyle? Yeah. You'd and compare that to other place. games. Other games in the genre would include Rimworld. Rimworld. Probably the big one. And it's also adjacent. Like I think the colony sim is sort of adjacent to the city builder genre. So even stuff like Sim City like Sim or City, city Skylines. Hmm. where but instead of like building a city on somewhere with like infinite resources a 
colony sim is almost like a city builder, but you start out with nothing. So you've got to like, you can't just build a building first. You've got to like get the trees and get the iron. Um, and then put that stuff together to make like a building. And then that building can, you know, do something with, or. All right. So oxygen, not included. Oxygen, not included is a colony sim that is set inside of an asteroid. So the premise is that you, you're like some spacefaring people and you sort of crash land in an asteroid. Somehow you're inside of it. I don't know why. Um, and your goal is to basically escape the asteroid. But the thing is, there's no oxygen inside of an asteroid. Are you aware of, did you know that? There's what? There's no oxygen. There's no oxygen. It's not included. Huh. So the what? sort of like the, the thing Never about buying this one game. Of those again. Yeah. The thing about this game is that, um, it's, it's sort of like very subtly, like a chemistry and engineering simulator as much as it's a colony simulator. Because the game is not just about building stuff to create a sufficient uh, place to live. It's about sort of managing things like airflow and gas flow and waste. Like, so you've got, imagine you start inside of an asteroid and there's like a, you know, a small area to walk around in, right? Um, you have your people that you're using have to go to the bathroom. So you put a toilet in there. That's great, but like, where does the plumbing go? And when you start, the plumbing goes in little bottles that sit next to the toilet. And those bottles just accumulate until you dump them out. So you have to find somewhere to drill down where you can dump out basically pee and poo into like a hole somewhere that's ideally far away from your water source because that would pollute your water source. And then you have your people drinking your polluted water and then you get sick. But if they're sick, you should build a medicine bay to produce medicine so they don't get sick. But the medicine bay requires power so you have to have it. So you, you sort of see mm -hmm. what's going on here. Um, and it's one of these games that's like, I, I love it in theory and in practice, it's also really good. But it's also one of these things where um, it can go off the rails sort of really quickly, but not in the sense where everything goes poorly. You just sort of realize three hours into the game that like you should have done something slightly differently. And now you're sort of paying the cost and you don't want to like rebuild your whole base to fix it. Um, and so it, it can have that sort of similar thing to something like prison architect or sort of like SimCity where you kind of want to blueprint out your whole thing before you even start building a single thing. Uh, so it can be sort of hard to approach for that reason, especially if you don't know what you're getting into so it's a game that I've always sort of like circled and like dipped in for a few hours and dipped out. And then I guess that for whatever reason this past week, I was like, I feel ready. And so I played like six hours of this game, almost back to back of just like building a colony. And it's just like, it's cool because it, and, and the, one of the things that's really exciting about colony simulator games is that they're often able to produce like novel situations and problems that are fun to try to figure out how to solve. And this game is just like a fucking like pressure cooker of interesting problems. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, as soon as you start, you're like, how do I get oxygen? Okay. Oxygen's going here. Well, I have to build a building. Where do I so put I do the poopy? Where do I put the poopy? You know, you ask, <laughs> ask yourself, where do you put the poopy every time? Um, my infinite struggle. 
And then once you figure out where to put the poopy, you can, you can maybe think about it, not think about it for two hours, but then two hours later, you realize that where you put the poopy, the gas from the noxious waste has started to float up into your ventilation system. So now where you put the poopy, the gas from it is like gassing the people in your colony. And so you have to figure out there's like piping systems. So you have to basically start piping your gas out somewhere else. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's really fun. If this is like your thing and this sounds interesting, I guarantee you will love this game. Um, it's also like the game itself is also just generally really good. It's like overwhelmingly positive on steam. I was playing it too, because they just announced, I guess they just released a new DLC, um, which is insane, which is basically takes the colony situation and expands it to multiple asteroids and planets. So they start letting you do like starbound type stuff where you start building structures on the surface and all these things. And so like imagining even get out of the asteroid, you can start having like a galactic scale engine of production and building stuff. And it's like, it's one of these things that started out at a very simple, simple premise of like survive in an asteroid and clay, the studio that made this is just really smart generally about the games they make. I mean, you look at something like Don't Starve, it's had like 40 expansions and people love that game. They're just really good at like slowly expanding out the scope of a game just in all the right directions. And what started out as a pretty quote unquote simple colony simulator inside of an asteroid has now grown to like kind of become the thing that like Starbound was supposed to be. Starbound, for people who don't know, was sort of the spacefaring variant of the like mining simulator game Terraria. Um, and this game is just becoming that and more. And it's got all these like systems. We have to like start thinking about like specific heat capacity of units because things generate heat. So you've got to generate cooling. And then it's just all these like really interesting problems that sort of manifest. And it just makes playing it be like so compelling because I never know what problem I'm going to encounter. It's got a big like best laid plans thing where all of a sudden you realize that where the poopy's at, it's a bad place to put the poopy. Yeah. So you got to seal off the poopy. Like and then first you just got to put it somewhere. And you then you're like, somewhere. oh my God, we got to breathe too. We got to breathe. Yeah. So I don't know if this, if this sounds like the sort of thing that you would dig, I highly, highly, highly <laughs> recommend it. And I think it's on sale right now because the DLC just released. Um, it's good. <laughs> what, uh, is it like super complicated or does it do a good job of easing you in? It's, it's one of these things that is, uh, so functionally it's very simple to play. So unlike something like crusader Kings, where you have to like go through a million menus to even do an action that has an effect on the map, this is way more like prison architect, sim city, whatever, where you click something and place it down and the people don't need to be like assigned to tasks. They'll just sort of do the right thing, which is really nice. But the issue it gets very complicated when you start doing more stuff because the problems that you're able to ignore for the first hour or two start becoming real problems. So you know how the mm. oxygen's not included? I sort of I sort of lied because there is a little bit of oxygen. You don't just start out, you know, dying. However, because you people that are inside of your asteroid, you know, use oxygen to breathe, that also means that as they take in oxygen, they also put out carbon dioxide 
So your oxygen production itself has to be at a level where you're not consuming more oxygen than you're producing, which mm. you can produce through algae plants or there's like an oxygen generators thing. And you can ignore that stuff for a while, but you can get to a point early on where you're like, oh, I'm going to run out of oxygen in two days. And I don't have enough way to like produce more oxygen. And that's the sort of stuff that's like sort of invisible at first. And it's, it's why like there'll be situations where you'll play this game for six hours, but you'll play three different colonies because each time you sort of learn a different thing to incorporate into how you um, are building up your society on this Got asteroid. It. So, it. but it also, it, it's like, it's the way they present the hard stuff is sort of on like a, it sort of abstracts a little bit of the complexity away from you. So you don't have to understand how things get hot. You just have to know that this thing produces heat and then there's like temperature overlays and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's like, it definitely gets very complicated at a very high level, but you can enjoy it for at least a few hours without having to think about that. But if right. you want to like really play this game, you will have to learn about specific heat capacity. <laughs> uh, I mean, luckily I do that a lot anyway. So yeah, maybe this will be in science textbooks. You know, game is not universally acclaimed on steam. The Witcher one. That's probably true. But I am talking about Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh. The latest game from the developers of The Witcher 1, CD Projekt Red. The former champion of gamers everywhere put out GOG, a video game purchasing platform that didn't have DRM on it. So you didn't have to like always be online to be playing your video games. They were kind of However, hailed as like the champion of the consumer. Don't forget, this is you're you're in some gamer retcon territory. Don't forget that The Witcher Two came out and had egregious DRM, and gamers everywhere were so mad that basically CDPR totally flipped their strategy on DRM. But only after the gamers got mad at them because The Witcher Two had so much DRM, it was like. You basically, it's like you couldn't play it unless you had the disc spinning inside your system or something. Oh, that was And this was like this. in like, yeah, this is like, this isn't even like that old. This was just in like 2010 or whatever The Witcher 2 came out. People they were- went, They were like, yeah, you know, like they took a look at themselves and they're like, you know what? You're right, man. It doesn't have to be this way. Maybe we, if we just made our own store, like- And that's why they became the champions- of, I think right. they, I don't, they didn't buy. I think they bought GOG. GOG was out before them, but basically they distributed Witcher Two DRM free on GOG, and then I think they've subsequently bought GOG because before GOG used to just be good old games. So it was like that's where you bought like Baldur's Gate One, and I think that The Witcher Two was one of the first sort of modern games to distribute on that platform, and it brought GOG so much money that I think CDPR was like. Can't, can't we just buy you? <laughs> right. So that's the context with which we go into this game. Um, first, I want to talk about the game itself, and then we can get to some of the controversy surrounding CD Projekt Red now. Um, ha but let's, let's talk about our thoughts about Cyberpunk 2077 now. Um, 
how, how are you feeling about it? How much have you played? I have got, uh, I'm like an hour or two into act two. Mm-hmm. So I've played 12 hours, 13 hours. Okay. And it's fine. It's, it's fine. Honestly, I think it's like, we can talk a little bit more about what that means, but I think if there wasn't so much hype, it would just be like a minor triple a release. Like there's nothing in here that feels commiserate with the amount of hype this game has generated. Like, I think that in a normal era of rational opinions, not even rational opinions, just like gamer passive passivity. It's fine. It's like a, it reminds me a lot of like sort of like open world games of yore, like, um, stalker or like even pathologic where it's like, this is what open world games sort of used to be with like lower budgets, but like it's some janky shit. It's like fucking Gothic, like one, two or three, even like, like old school Morrowind. This is like what open world games used to be. Um, and I think that with stuff like red dead redemption with stuff, even like Skyrim is pretty janky. Like I think especially Red Dead Redemption, um, I think that the AAA foaming gamer expectation for what a open world game should be sort of shifted under CD Projekt Red's feet in a really unfortunate way. Um, yeah, like what I think one thing that we tend to forget is that Rockstar has had a massive head start when it comes to building open world games. And, you know, you think about like the mistakes that they made with like GTA three and then like vice city and then GTA four and all this stuff. And San Andreas for that matter. Um, you see a lot of those like weird mistakes and like glitches and bugs in this game, which is funny because we had gotten used to that not being the thing with game yeah. like you know with a game like red dead redemption which you know had a share of weirdness that would happen i think that's just a something that happens with any open world game but this is like there's some stuff in this game where it's like it really feels like you're playing a broken ass like one of the og gta games where it's like yeah you know it's carried by its novelty and the fact that like the world is so open but this does not have that anymore because we've come to expect a higher standard from triple a open world games that is like very, very much buttoned up like Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, so it sort of feels like, it feels retro and in like a weird way where it feels like- In not a good way. GTA 3 or GTA 4. Yeah, no, it feels like, it feels like a step back. And I'm like, we can talk about the reaction later, like you said, but I, I feel a little bad for CD Projekt Red, but I also don't because I feel like they led people on to believe that this game was going to be something it just seems like it was never going to be. And I think once, as soon as you like look at cyberpunk and say that this is a cyberpunk GTA game, you're going point to point doing quests and side quests. It's like, you're like, Oh, it's fine. Whatever. I think the issue was that the sort of pitch was that it was going to be this massive open world, do whatever cyberpunk RPG. And it's just not that. And the other thing too, is that, they built this precedent on the Witcher three, which was ostensibly an open world game. 
But, you know, when you think about it, there was a lot of open land in that game. There was beautiful environments that were open, but you didn't have, like, you didn't have to worry about, like, traffic AI. You didn't have to worry about, like, people, uh, like, passersby or, like, people, like, walking around in the town square and buildings and multi, you know, elevators and different levels and vehicles and all the shit that they have to worry about with this game now, like in building a city, like they could build a village and that would be fine. They could, they could build like Novigrad and just worry about like making sure that was finely crafted and they could do like three or four of those big cities. And then they were fine with a couple smaller villages, much more of a controlled environment for creating a game. And then everything else is kind of wilderness. So that made us, I think that made a lot of people believe that, Hey, these people can make an open world game. They can do something like this, but the precedent is not that does like, it's kind of a learning experience that just because you could build a beautiful open world, a la the Witcher three does not mean that you can do something more akin to a GTA five or, a, you know, red dead. Well, red dead redemption is not exactly a great case because there's a lot of, um, wilderness in that game too but you you, you get the point um, i think what the other thing that like really is annoying about like what you're saying now like not because what you're saying is annoying but the implications of what's happened in this game is like like i think gta for example learned very early on that you don't want to make it look like everything in the city is interactable you don't want to make it look like there's a storefront that you can walk inside of because the player is going to be disappointed when they realize that you can't walk in there so everything that's like interactable in GTA or even like Red, uh, Red Dead's different. Red Dead's actually more like The Witcher 3 where it's sort of little pockets of civilization and a lot of wilderness. Like, yeah. But something like, you know, GTA 4 or 5, like you know what's sort of interactable in a GTA world in part because the signage is different. There's like the stuff is open. You can see inside of it and everything else is just sort of like gray doors or whatever. But like the weirdest thing about cyberpunk is that it just, it, it feels like a cock tease is sort of the best way to describe it where like you walk around the city and like everything is bright and gorgeous and like it's impossible sometimes to tell what's actually interactable. And the other side of that is that very little is interactable at all. Like the, what, what sort of sealed this for me really early on um, in retrospect was like, so at the bottom of the apartment building you live in you're there's like a food court and there's like 10 or 15 food stands that are all like beautifully detailed and beautifully modeled. And they've got NPCs and people sit at the tables, but you can do nothing at these places. You can't, well, you and can, then can't even talk at the to the NPCs. You can't, you can't sit at the seats. You can't like even like bring up a janky ass like food menu and you're just like, wait, what, what am I, what is this? And then like, you sort of realize that that's how it is everywhere. You can interact with like nothing. There's, yeah. You can't do anything. And, and like, like, there's only like a few places that are actually places despite looking like they're real places. And so it just drives you to this point where you just sort of stop trying because nothing is giving you what you want. And then the places that, do actually sell food like the food stands that do sell food when you open the food menu it's like they have just like the same 
stuff that you get from like vending machines. It's like prepackaged yep. burritos and like tofu meals or some shit like fake, uh, fake meat extraordinaire 1000, but you're at like a sushi restaurant or some shit like this yeah. really fancy sushi restaurant. It's like, wait, this is, I thought I could get some like cool sushi dish that would like boost my stats for an hour or some shit. Nope. No, it's not like that. Um, I just like, yeah, I just, I get feels like a, oh, go ahead. I get the feeling that like a lot of the game, there's a lot of very clear like management blunders with this game where a lot of what's fucked up about it feels like someone high up, like made a bad decision that fucked everything <laughs> over, you know, like, and sometimes it's tra like very apparent. Sometimes it's like, it makes you wonder what that decision was. You know, the, the 80, 20 rule. You know it's what this 80% is? 80% of the work is the last 20%. Yeah. The last 20% the, of the work is 80% of the effort. Yeah. The first like 20% is like the majority of what people see, like of a product. But then like the last like 80% is like just fixing it up and like making it look perfect. You know, this game feels like a minimum viable product in a, in a lot of ways where it's like the, this is like a, another co common like product uh, like uh, saying where it's just like, the, the thing that like you it works and you, you can put it out and it, it 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 does what it's supposed to do but that's it like you, you still would put in like 80 percent of the time would need to be done to make this like the game that you want it to be the thing that you want it to be the game feels like that like 20 percent where it's like yeah it works so yeah it's done yeah it does what like you it was supposed to do to an extent but it's not like the professional finished product that like you would expect from something like this from someone of a caliber of like a cd project red um and that stuff is very apparent as you play this game the only thing that kind of carries it for me and it's sad because this was something that carried the witcher was like the characterization the writing the mission structure the variety of tasks and things that you would do in that game was just like through the roof and it feels like that's where they spent all their time you know sometimes like the locales looked a little bit repetitive sometimes you know the characters that you You're met on the, witcher, like, on the right? side yes on the witcher um like sometimes like the people that you would interact with didn't you know they said the same line over and over or whatever but it felt like there was a lot of depth to the in the places where it mattered which was like the missions the characters the dialogue trees the acting all that stuff had a lot of depth no system in this game feels like it has that but yeah. the the side characters do feel like they have compelling personalities they do have character arcs that are that do have like you know they have resonance there's there've been some moments in this game where i'm like okay this was this was really good this went in a lot of places that i didn't expect the prologue missions for instance like where they end up leading i thought was was great i they did some unexpected stuff it pulled some tricks twists and turns on me um but then then there's like other things that you know you turn around and it just like kind of takes away from that like the fact that the main character is fucking flat as shit like so bad v is the name of the main character and you can play it as like a you know whatever gender you want or whatever and uh you have these you know, opt uh, customization options ostensibly that just turn out to just not really do anything really like it changes like 
who you can fuck. Cause it feels like there's a good game to be had here that just cuts out the open world stuff. Like I can imagine a version of this game that plays way more like the Witcher two, where it's sort of point to point rough. It's like, it's not open world, but it's like sort a pseudo of like open world. Yeah. It's like, there's like, you kind of jump between biggish hubs. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I think what you're saying, what I think what the open world does is sort of counteracts a lot of that stuff where like you're saying, like there's this, like, I remember there's a scene with Jackie, who's the character from the, you know, all the material to start where like his characterization is so good in this moment where you're having this meeting with someone and he's doing this thing that I've seen a lot of people that are like his, he's like a big dude, like a lot of his size do, which is like kind of like jump his knee. He's like kind of basically bobbing his knee in place. And it's like this, it's a small character tick that I see and I'm like, oh, I know who this person is. Mm-hmm. I know how this person is and how they act. And then like, there's a lot of these moments in cyberpunk where you're like, oh wow, they seem sort of like a real person that has real needs and desires. That's like trying to do this stuff. And then like you leave the quest and it's just like empty bullshit. And you're like, I don't, I just want to do the next thing. Like, I don't care about, especially when you realize that like none of the world is interactable, that the world feels like a museum. You're like, I don't need to do, I don't care. I don't care about like, helping the fucking cops. I don't care about, you know, (laughs) busting up this thing. It's like, I want to get to the next little story beat or side quest thing. And I don't need to like engage with what feels like, you know, like a, like a museum to like get to the other stuff. What you're saying is true. It's like, it just, it just undercuts it. You're like all these, you have these really like high highs with these characters that just are padded with this in between shit of this open world that, doesn't really feel like it was considered outside of its like aesthetics and look, which are amazing to be clear. The game is beautiful. The environments are great, but they're just, they have no life. There's nothing in them. Yeah. And I feel, I I get the sense that like, it's funny too, with Jackie, such a well-characterized persona, you know, like those, those little ticks that he has and just like the acting is very good. Like these actors are great. Um, with the exception of like V and then maybe Keanu Reeves, uh, which is like just kind of out of, it's, it's like, dude, it's bad. but it's, it's like, bad. it's weird. Cause like they have awful writing, but great characterization. So you find yourself <laughs> like empathizing with these characters who are deeply corny and they'll say things that, you know, the actor was like this. I can't believe I have to say this. Like I gave this example in the bad end discord, which you can, uh, become part of if you know if you subscribe to us at patreon.com slash bad end by the way um but there's a moment where you're talking to what is it dex his name's dex yeah and dexter Deshawn. dexter dexter Deshawn, and he's like a he's a fixer he's like giving you jobs and stuff like that and he's he's a black character and one of the lines like in the subtitle says she it s-h-e-e-i-t oh my god <laughs> And then, but the way he read the actor reads it is shit, just shit. shit. He just says shit. Like the text is like, he was she- basically like, I'm not going to say sh- this is fucking, are you really going to try to have me say shit? Like, fuck you, dude. And there's a lot of characterization. <laughs> there's a lot of writing like that, where it's like this stupid stereotypical bullshit. That's like, dude, you, you've never met a Mexican person in your life that you think they would talk <laughs> like this because Jackie is supposed to be, I, th- I think Mexican or, um, He's Latino of some sort. And then uh yeah. 
And uh, they, they, I don't know if they really specify that. Um, but some of the way he was speaking made me think he was Mexican. Um, anyway, but it's like a lot of stuff is just like, I, you'd never hear anyone say this in real life. Like, this is not how Spanglish actually functions. It, it looks like they would like look up like English idioms and then just like shove them through Google Translate and put them in the script, you know? <laughs> and like they had someone who could like pronounce this stuff well, you know? And it's like, they're doing their best and you end up empathizing with the character, but then they say these things that are like, just like, oh, what how just have someone at the fucking studio who like knows who can tell you like, Oh, this is not something one of these people would say. It sort of, it reminds me like a lot of the acting, the acting in cyberpunk feels like it's at its best when everyone feels like they're in on the joke, which I feel like it tracks a lot for me as like, I don't Have you seen the expanse, the like sci-fi I've series? I've seen two episodes of that. So like people in that show who like tried to take it too seriously, like Holden, the main character just come off as like super flat and boring, but like people like, um, like Naomi Nagata or, uh, the like beefcake dude that's also on the ship whose name I forget. Um, that seemed that they're just sort of like having a good time, make the experience feel better. And I feel like cyberpunk is the same way where like, it's sort of the whole thing is so hokey. It's like the, like the story is just generic shit. Like it's not the, what happens to some of the characters is interesting, but just the overall narrative is like, you could write this stuff. Anybody could write this Mm -hmm. after, you know, watching Blade Runner. Right. But so the people who are just like, and, and, and and like the, the character capture fidelity and stuff is like so good that when I say that it's, it's the, the effectiveness of the narrative is tied up in how people interpret the script. I say that because I do feel like you can perceive that in these characters because they are so well characterized. So someone like, even someone like Jackie for like his like pitfalls and his weird ass Spanglish feels like a good character because he feels like he's in on the joke. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm this doofus in the cyberpunk world. This is really fun. Unlike V V feels like they're trying to take it way too seriously and just like makes everything they say sound corny and like not a fun way. Right. But other, but when you start like finding these characters who feel like they're playing the part of being cyberpunk people, you're like, Oh, this is kind of fun. Um, even yeah, like and, some of like the maelstrom, you know what actually or whatever I will say like Keanu, I think he does a good job with the role. I just think it's, it is the corniest role in the game. Yeah. You know, and it's unre- it, it's unredeemably corny. Like it's never like there's depth to it that makes the corniness worth it. It's like, oh, this is just a bad character. <laughs> like yeah, you're, you're working with bad material. You're like four <laughs> layers of irony deep to the point where it's like you don't want to wrestle with whether it's cool or it's you don't want to wrestle with whether it's inverted enough times to be cool again. And so you just yeah, you have to just give up and just it. be like, I'm assuming that this is not cool because everything about it reads is not cool and Keanu's really doing his best and there's a world in which this would be a cool character but CD Projekt Red is not giving it to me right now you know what I'm saying yeah no he's like his character is and there's just like so many other random things that are like what the fuck is going on in this game man like the clothing for instance we've talked about this it sets you up as like you're gonna be in this cool cyberpunk world and then you the your outfits look like fucking shit dude they have like a trilby fedora that you like is like opening I equipment. 
I have a trucker hat that says bitch on it. Yeah, it's like a freaking trucker hat, <laughs> an astronaut helmet. It looks like the bad clothing choices in The Sims that you get as it like starter like, shit. It looks like Fortnite or like PUBG promo pics where it's like people with these like crazy amalgamated outfits. Yes. Where it's like, oh, it's cool because a guy's got a pig head and a neon jacket with LED strips on it. Or it's like the, uh, like in Fallout when like half of your costume is like a, the, whatever the tweakers names are like the, the drug people <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know what i'm saying it reminds me of the same problem in like animal crossing Raiders, where you can't it's like ever find a here. fucking table you're like everything is on the floor all i have got all this like crazy ass furniture but i can't find yeah. a fucking table and yeah. it's the same thing in cyberpunk where you're like i can have an astronaut hat like a set of like a backpack with wings on it but i can't find a fucking pair of slacks to match these boots. Yeah. The like, hardest thing just is find- like to look good in this game. But, it, and it's, and that's the thing is it's like, every time you have a criticism of a game like this, it's like, whoa, you just, you want them to crunch more or whatever. It's like, well, no, you didn't have to make a fucking fedora. Like, <laughs> Multiple. That fedoras. wasn't even, that's not even cool in 2020. <laughs> you know, and it's not even like, Jesus I'm thinking Christ. about like Disco Elysium where like the Disco Elysium clothing is like, it's like good, bad where it's all just like old ass shit and you like never look good. But like the point of the game is that you're sort of like an old dad yes, or like an old dude it's part who's of the like role kind play. of trying to be cool. Yeah. yeah. And this is like, I'm supposed to feel like a badass and I've got a fucking fedora and like, I don't know, like a shirt that says hot topic on it. Yeah. Or like those it's, like motorcycle pants that have like the weird like divots running up God, the legs it's and so shit. bad it's like it parachute is parachute pants you look like fucking mc hammer it's it's awful and the, you know i've been getting better outfits as the game goes along but still why why does it have to suck at first i mean it reminds what you were saying too about some weird stuff in the game like it's, sometimes it's like i don't know if i'm getting old but like it's really hard to tell what the game wants you to do in a given moment, like just there's so much like neon shit and UI everywhere that in a given moment, it's actually hard for me to parse like who I should be shooting, where I should be going, what objective Dude, is actually happening. Not to mention there's zero something. tutorial content in this game. Oh, like just there's starts. no, in every <laughs> game, you get used to this. In every game, there's like press R2 to shoot or like click to shoot or like press I to open your inventory. You know, there's all those little tool tips that it gives you to be, there's not like a single one of those in this game. And I'm, I'm like sitting there like, did I miss something? Like, did there I was miss? The, did you do the shooting tutorial? There was a shooting tutorial. Yes. That's all. I mean, it, it teaches you the that's combat, the only thing, though. but yeah. that's it. You just like, this is how you Stealth, shoot. Stealth, uh, melee, and then shooting, but that's it. There's no like, here's how to craft. There's no like, here's how to level up your character. Like all that stuff is extremely minuscule and it's only there for like a moment. And a lot of the more in-depth stuff, in-depth stuff that you have to engage with if you want to like actually play the game right is like never actually shown to you. And it's it's unbelievable, not to mention this game, it, it's obviously broken as fuck. Like the game is broken, dude. And we don't, that's not the type of thing that bad and podcast complains about. We do not complain about like, oh, I got a bug. Like that's not a typical complaint for us, but <laughs> I have probably thrown three hours away trying to like fix my game. Like I, I drove into this ditch, right? 
and I could not drive out of it, dude. It would like reset my position because oh, it thought it was going out of the map. And I was like, I, I'm fucked. I might have to like start the game over again because I couldn't get out of there. I couldn't fast travel from where I was. There was no like resetting my position or anything like that. I couldn't, there was no options for any of this. And I was trying to think like, what's the best way for me to do this? I died. Nope. It spawned me back in the pit. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> fucked, dude. I ended up having to load a save from earlier. And I mean, thank God it was it was only like 10 minutes before, but I had to reload a save after like trying to get out of this pit with my motorcycle, which I just could not do. Dude, there was like I had a similar thing. I had two similar things. One was that like I um I was driving really fast down a street and I'd missed a turn and just drove into a wall. And then I didn't die, but I basically just got stuck in the geometry and couldn't get out. I couldn't open a door. I couldn't do anything. I just couldn't die. Couldn't do you that. You have to load and then save. I had to reload a save, yeah. backed up like 15 minutes, it's, which like, it doesn't sound a lot, but it's annoying. Like, especially in a game that's got so much shit going on. Yeah. Like you equip two weapons, buy some stuff, go do a small quest. And you're like, I don't want to go do that again because it's not fun the first time I did it. I want to do it again. Yeah. I had to like reallocate my skill that, points and I'm like, did I do the third point out of three on my like yeah, crit chance God. thing or did I? Oh, That's like, yeah, there's a, there was another thing where like, you know, those like concrete barriers they'll like put on like an interstate to like, you know, split traffic or whatever. Mm -hmm. I like had driven over one, but only with the front wheels and I had knocked out a, um, like a chain link fence. So I ended up getting it where my car was stuck. Um, in, but on like basically straddling this like concrete post, which is like fine, except for the fact that I didn't take out the gates to the left and right of me. So I couldn't open my door to get out of the car. And because I was sort of above the ground, I couldn't actually move the car in place. So I had to reload. I like, I just couldn't do any, I was like, I can't get out. The game's not resetting me. I can't open my door because it's being blocked by this chain link fence. So I guess I have to reload my save again. And there's just like, that's just shit that like we're past that. We're supposed to be past that. Right. And like open world games, like this was fine 15 years ago where you're like, oh, it's, it's an open world game. They're all janky. But in a world where like Red Dead Redemption 2 has come out, like this is not the type of thing that you want in your $60 video game. And like Josh says, these are not like normal bad end complaint stuff. This We are not a gamer podcast, but like this shit happens frequently enough where you're like, wow, this game's pretty fucking busted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like just every time I go on a mission, I'm like, I'm what's gonna break? Like, what's like what's gonna break right now? And it's like, always yeah, it's something, like, dude. And like, like a museum, like I was talking about earlier, like you don't want to necessarily touch anything because you're not sure. You're like, if I blow up that car, is it gonna like tank my frame rate and deadlock the game? Maybe. Maybe it's very possible. Like, you, it's like it feels like sometimes we're like, is that a bug or is that? Yeah. Like like the like the this is a mild spoiler, but like, did it happen to you where after this is also, this is, this is, I mean, it's sort of a spoiler, but not really. So feel free to skip forward five minutes, but basically you're in this garage and you get in your car and Delamain yeah, like yeah, runs yeah, into yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. But it's like so janky. It's I not didn't know like if it was a, a nice bug scripted either. I was like, yeah, did, I was like, was that supposed I was like, did that happen? car just randomly run into me? Yeah. And also like, clip me through the wall. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I just got in this car and it's explode. I was, turns out not a bug, but it sure as fuck seems like a bug because of the way that the just like, like your camera's fucking flying everywhere and stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? What? 
it's that was really weird. Is it a plot thing? Like, it's just, is this, there's like, that stuff is nonstop, nonstop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just like, and like one of my, I'll just, we'll stop talking. I'll stop talking about bugs after this. But my other favorite bug is that like people who are getting in your car with you will just start their sit down animation. Even if the car is 10 feet in front of them, cause you already started driving away. So I have a lot of times where I'll like, get in a car and thought someone got in the car with me and start driving forward. And then I just look in the rear view mirror and they're like sitting in their car pose, like trying to catch up to my car. <laughs> just people like floating around, like sitting around. To I've try never to like gotten that. That feels like a GTA seat. thing. That feels like an old school God. GTA. Thing. Oh, wait. oh, last bug, last bug. All right. My last <laughs> favorite bug. I should have, I feel like this would have gone viral on Twitter. I should have fucking screen capped it, but there was a thing where like the, so the traffic in this game is a point of contention amongst the audiences who play this game. Cause it's really bad, but the line of traffic in, a, in the game had somehow gotten offset. So every single car was driving into like a cement support for a highway above. So the cars would drive into the cement post, but they wouldn't actually clip with it because the physics tick every frame. I think it must tick like six, like once every 60 seconds, basically they would drive through and the car would clip through the cement and then it would just explode because the physics hit and they were like inside of a cement thing. And it was just this line of cars that just kept driving oh in the cement pole. God, God it looked no. like, it looked like what happens if you try to like fucking jump into platform nine and three quarters, but they would get halfway into the fucking cement wall and then the car would just explode. <laughs> Because it's like, and the traffic couldn't be adjusted. And it's just like, what the fuck? What's Dude, going on here? There's so many things in this game that are like that, where it's like every open world game has smoke and mirrors stuff, right? Like stuff that it's like, they're creating an illusion of a world, but this thing does, is not like a real thing. This is video games in general. It's all just illusions. But um, like some of them are just hilarious because they didn't, they didn't put enough effort into like concealing these smoke and mirrors. So you just like see through it. And it's just, it's this weird moment where you're just like, "Mm," like it's, it's awkward. Cause it's like, I, I know, you know, that like, I know that I see through this thing, you know? Right. Like, like the, um, they have this thing where the, with the traffic again, you know how like traffic lights, like very far ahead of you have this like kind of like faded hazy look. And it looks like, oh, like there's a lot of traffic in the distance. Like they have these pre-rendered like little traffic lines ahead of you of like the the headlights and taillights of cars like going down the freeway ahead of you. Except like when a car drives into it, the car just disappears and like becomes part of those. But you can just see like the line (laughs) where the car disappears into that like little pre-rendered like far away traffic and there's always like a very clear cut line so it just looks so fake like it looks like a facade like it feels like you're in like it feels like, like old you're green in screen cyberpunk dude. reality yeah it's like you're old like, green I, screen where it's like dude i know i can see the outline of the character or like i can see the green light <laughs> shining off of this person's face like that kind of thing and it's just funny but um and this is us playing on the pc version which is funny because that's the good one. <laughs> and Okay. I, I, I want to say one more good thing about this game, which is that ray tracing looks fucking incredible on this shit. Are you RTX on over there? Yeah, I got that 3080 RTX on ultra, whatever. And when I, I'm looking at these characters faces and they're like 
their faces like by me or whatever, I'm like in absolute awe of like how good these people are. like their shirts. For those who don't know, RTX ray tracing is this like new technology that is, it's like, it's, it's like calculating the way that light bounces off like different materials. So like all of the light, if the light is like coming off of my shirt, it's like taking into consideration that it's coming off of like fabric. So it looks like the way that light comes off of fabric. And then that light actually refracts off the fabric and like hits other walls and stuff like that. So it's sometimes the effect is unbelievable, like gorgeous. But then like other times it's like light is bouncing off so many things that like everything looks super like blown out and like overexposed, which is a very weird side effect of ray tracing, I think. Um, I'm just excited to hear a lay person explain ray tracing. Uh, this is the uh, simplified explanation of ray tracing. <laughs> uh, you weren't you weren't wrong. Yeah. yeah, it just makes like light the way that light plays uh, you know, plays off of different materials like look more realistic. That's like what you're seeing as like the consumer when it reaches you. That's what you're seeing. It takes an yeah. insane amount of processing power to do this shit. Uh, as you, I mean, you can theorize as to like why that might be in your head. But in this game, like there are some moments where it just looks gorgeous. And I even like I'm not even RTX on over here, but like it's it looks really good. Like even just you should try it. Try it with DLSS. It it uses AI to I don't think I can do DLSS on my card. Oh, you don't have an RTX card. Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. Tech talk. Like ray tracing, it's sort of like the holy grail of rendering and mainly because Josh is like sort of, you're like half right. But the thing that does, it's called ray tracing because it traces where light basically hits. So it's instead of like doing what is considered like raster based rendering, which uses kind of like the sequence of layers, um, it says like, okay, well, let's only illuminate what light is hitting, but you have to basically trace light around an environment and that's expensive um, computationally. But like you look at stuff like even like CD, even like CD project, even like cyberpunk or like last of us Two, And it's sort of weird because like we got to this point where like raster based graphics look really good. Like, cause they've Uncharted gotten so looks, good at like, they've gotten faking so good it. at doing it that it looks really good. Yeah. yeah. With faking it. And cyberpunk is sort of one of the first games that's saying like, well, let's actually not fake it as much. Let's actually ray trace these. Let's like ray trace light sources. And so it's sort of a weird, like, inflection moment of graphics right now where like raster stuff it's kind of like the moving from like shooting a film on film to shooting it on digital it's a similar thing happening where raster used to just be the way everything happens and now we're in this um like potentially ray traced future where and that just it just sort of works um it specifically i mean people have been doing this forever this is how all pixar movies are ray traced so they just don't do it in real time um but so like cyberpunk is one of the first huge games. that's like got this thing uh, in it. So it's pretty cool. So I want it's us like to keep a, this we're in, in mind. We're in an interesting moment. So I want us to keep this yeah. in mind. Okay. Keep this at the top of your mind. Cause this is going to be relevant to what a point that I want to bring up in a second. But so we have the PS4, Xbox one and Xbox one S all of these console versions of the game that are even worse than the PC one, like yes. by a long shot. And it's funny because CD Projekt Red 
did not give reviewers the game to review on those platforms ahead of its release. They only gave them the PC version, which is the only one that, quote, works. And even then, as we were saying, it's fucking janky. So people get these things on PS4 and PS5 and Xbox, and they're like, what is this? Like, this is like, in a lot of cases, it feels unplayable because it'll drop down to like 15 frames per second. A lot of the stuff is just like unforgivably broken and you know i i don't i think that's something that like you got to take that as at face value like if people are saying it's broken like it really seems like it is because right now there's there's things that make this game difficult to play and this is the best version that we're playing on pc so (laughs) i can empathize i can at least understand where the ps4 people are coming from um but it's so weird man because cd project red keeps digging their grave even deeper and I, I don't understand like the pr blunders that they just commit one after another after another and i'm like when is this gonna end man because the first thing that they did was they said okay well we apologize we're sorry like that this game came out in this state if you're dissatisfied with your purchase on you know we are going to continue to refine the game and make it better to get it to like where it should be but also, if you want a refund, like we're going to do our best to help you. But it's just funny because like they can't fucking help you, dude. If you bought that shit on the PlayStation Store, there's nothing that CD Projekt Red can do to help you. Yeah. And they know this. Like they, they, you, The developer will know this, that you can't like force Sony to give you a refund for a game that you pl- purchased through the Sony Store, right? So that's like an extremely disingenuous thing to say to people already. The fact that they didn't give it to reviewers before the fact is extremely disingenuous and sketchy. And then now they have this new thing that's happened where they the news came out that they were going to release Devotion, one of our favorite games of like, uh, was it last year or the year before? I don't remember, but it last year. Last year. And Gog. Gog. Well, Gog was gonna put devotion yes, on the store. The which is platform the platform that we were talking about earlier that CD Project Red owns was gonna put release this game on their store, which was if you don't uh, remember the story, Devotion had been banned via the the platforms that it was being sold on because it was controversial. It had basically some um like criticism like buried deep in there about uh Xi Jinping um from china and it was a taiwanese game so it was very controversial it got like review bombed it had to be yanked from steam and it was controversial so it was like oh my god like gog like cd project red they're gonna put it on their store like that's so cool this morning cd project red or gog puts out a tweet saying like uh we heard from a lot of gamers that don't want this game to be put live (laughs) on our store so we're not gonna be putting it on gog after all which is like just as disingenuous as an excuse as like, oh, we're going to try to help you get refunds. It's like such a, an outright lie. Like clearly it's a lie, dude. You didn't, you fucked up. You didn't do someone higher up who's like in charge of making these decisions did not like do a Google search of devotion and see that it was already banned for being controversial and having a lot of backlash in the Chinese market for being critical. They didn't see that. They they gave it the go ahead, and now they're saying that like gamers want we're we're doing this for the gamers, man. Like it's the most transparent excuse 
possible. The other nefarious thing about this is that by acting as if they are the gamer advocates that their storyline has kind of pushed them to be in the past few years, they, 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 know, they know they have this goodwill from the gamers as like the people's champion, the consumer's champion. We stand for you. We give you the free patches. We give you the DRM free games. They know this. So they, and they know that gamers don't like journalists. So they push their marketing in that direction as a strategy. I think it's very clear where they, they had some tweet that was like a, an, like attack helicopter, like, uh, like I identify as an attack helicopter, like one of those types of just like super transphobic tweets. And then it came out that like mm -hmm. the person running their Twitter was like a super transphobe and shit. And they just like got away with that. And then now there's like a bunch of like trans imagery and stuff in their game. That's like in support of like trans people. And it's like, I don't, should I take this seriously from like the same company who, who's like Twitter did this? I don't know. I guess there's a disconnect between like the people who are running their marketing, who are like running the creation of this game and like the people who are actually making it. Maybe that's the most generous outlook I can provide on this, but they continue to do this shit where it's like, Oh, let's put it on the reviewers. We only give them the PC one. And then when they say there's technical issues, the gamers will just like give them backlash because we already know that this is going to be a good game. And that's exactly what happened. Like people came down on anyone who would dare to bring the Metacritic score down of this game. Before the game was even before in the hands. game was released. And now this is coming out and everyone's like, holy shit, this game's fucking broken. It's totally a seven out of ten. But it's funny because like it's all these things coming home to roost of CD Projekt Red, like knowing its reputation, knowing the gamer mentality of like, we need to do this thing of like protecting the developers because the game journalists are out to get them via clickbait. And then realizing that, oh shit, like maybe the whole like unbiased reviewer thing is in place for a reason, you know? Yeah, it was, it was like interesting to sort of see like, I feel like the cyberpunk subreddit is like the, the pulse of the gamers a little bit and to see a lot of the things happening in the wake of the game coming out has just been like really interesting. Like one of the top rated posts of the past few days was someone being like, shit, maybe the GameSpot lady was right. We shouldn't uh, send her death threats because this game's pretty bad. And it's like, I mean, I still think about what we talked about, like, I don't know when we were talking about the hype for cyberpunk where like this cycle's not new. And for like a lot of people, this is like, this is their first rigmarole. This is their first like hype disappointment game. This is their first like time. They want to like believe it's going to be better than the reviewers say it is. And I think that, I mean, considering that also like American economies and shit, a lot of people spent their like, hard-earned money on probably building new computers to like play cyberpunk. Like there's a lot wrapped up in this release, especially in like fucking 2020 when the year is shitty, they're like, I just want to get a fucking good video game. And like, you know, if you're 14 or 15 and like, I don't know, you saved up money to build a computer or whatever, because you know that big daddy CDPR is going to have your back and it like breaks you. I, I described it somewhere. Like it's almost like, for a lot of people like this, it's like their first bad breakup where they're like, fuck that hurts. And then like, you know, like a bad, like your first bad breakup, there's different paths you can take from that. You can become really jaded. You could be like, Oh wow. It's my fault. 
oh, wow, maybe they had a point and I was a bad person. And I think that it's like, it's just watching this subreddit sort of learn how to like cope with, you know, what inevitably happens when you place your trust in a company has been strange, but also like same old song and dance, same thing that happens every time one of these games come out. Right. A couple of things. Why do people pre-order games? Can you answer me this question? Collective hype. Like, what uh, the fuck? Building. How are gamers, how do people act like they're fucking like logical? Like they know everything and then you fucking pre-order a video game. Is that not the dumbest thing I that you can like possibly if do? If you have a console. If you have a console and you only buy discs, which like I think we shouldn't discount how bad internet in America is, especially outside of cities. Are, are they sold or, out of, do they sell out of discs? Is that a thing that happens? Maybe, probably. I feel like it. Maybe. Is it? Huh? I mean, if you sell it, if you have like, like I think PC gaming is big, but console gaming is still much bigger. So I think a lot of people might have pre-ordered a disc version. Cause like, who's trying to fucking like, if you have an internet cap, who wants to no, download on an Steam, game? dude? Oh yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> there was so many people who pre-ordered that shit on Steam, man. It was like in the best yeah, sellers like category, seven, like seven months million. ago. It was the best sellers. For, yeah. Consistently. Yeah. Before it came out which tells you those are pre-order. Like, but who, who is, who's doing this? Think, just think, I don't know. just think about this shit, man. It's crazy. Anyway, just, just think about that for five. Next time a, a gamer tells you you're dumb, just be like, have you ever pre-ordered a game? And if it's a yes, just, just that's it. Conversation over. Apologies to anyone listening to this episode who has pre-ordered games before, but you have to acknowledge that there's a certain sense of there's a certain delusion there that you are buying into that is totally unreasonable. Okay. Well, especially in an age when like stuff goes on sale in like two months. Uh, yeah. It's we have, the, we have the internet guys. Come on. I, the other thing I want to say, and this is, this is relevant to what we were talking about before with ray tracing and stuff like that. But I, get the sense and i brought this up a bit earlier which is there seem to have been so many bad decisions made along the way <laughs> while making this game that i and i feel i really do feel bad for the people who work at cd project red who get like work to the bone like we talked about crunch and this is the whole like we you know that's that's a whole conversation kyle recently put out a thread about you know crunch and uh the whole labor thing that went viral <laughs> good for you buddy oh josh thank you I'm sweating over we here. got a little viral boy over here uh and shouts out if you're listening to the show for the first time because of that tweet um oh yeah good point but welcome welcome um it if you've ever worked at a like a big company before that like does this kind of thing like you know that there's a big disconnect between how you and like your co-workers feel as like people who work for the company and who have creative visions and have ambitions and things that you want to do with this product and you believe in the thing that you're creating and etc 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 there's a disconnect between that and then like what the company is doing and what the marketing is doing and what like the exec it's like all of a sudden the exec comes to you and they're like Oh, uh, we're actually going to 
these this this thing is happening so we're changing our trajectory on how this thing is going to be developed over the next couple of years you're gonna to have to walk work a lot more and we're not going to do any of that stuff that you wanted to do with the game initially that you had big dreams about you know and i feel like there had to have been so many of those moments in the development of this game where they came to the people who were making it they came to the developers they came to the writers they came to the artists it came with like the people who were doing the audio and the storyboarding, all, all this stuff. And they were just like, and the concept artists and they were just like, uh, so, okay. We got like, what? Look at their watch. We got like three years to make this game. Yeah. So, um, so we just got approached by NVIDIA and they're doing this ray tracing thing. Uh, so we got to do that. We got to make that part of the game too. So the, then they end up doing figuring out their ray tracing shit. And these are just examples of things that it feels like they could have just gotten sidetracked on having to implement in the game in like the 10th hour, you know, or, oh, um, yeah. So we have to really, really put a lot into the RTX stuff because NVIDIA is partnering with us. We're going to be like the poster child for the game. It's going to be a big part of the launch. Oh, yeah, we're also going to be the poster child for the PS5. We're going to be like one of the launch games for the PS5. Oh, wait, and also the Xbox Series S. We don't even look what the know what the console looks like yet. You know, it's there's so many things that it's like all of a sudden the game had to be X, Y and Z thing. Oh, uh, people are coming to us and they expect it to be a big open world game. So we got to do that now. Like It has to be an open world game because we have this many pre-orders and it's just going to be unacceptable if this is not an open world game. Uh, oh, like we know someone who knows Keanu Reeves. Uh, we're going to get him for the game. So uh, we got to write Keanu into the fucking game now. We got to do all this shit. You know, there's so many things that it feels like they someone higher up who did not have like a great grasp on like what the game was trying to be and what it was supposed to be and what it was planned to be that they got this like oh we have to do this now we have to do this now and if you've ever worked at a big organization this shit happens all the time you know do you know what i'm talking but about also Kyle? like yeah yeah because the other thing about it too is that you start like the stuff never happens on the schedule that you think it's going to happen in. So you dig yourself a bigger hole that you have to then keep taking on bigger things and hopes to like overcome that hole. Right. So you're like, well, just doing the Xbox series X is a lot, but now we're doing it. Oh shit. We're, we're over schedule. Oh, but let's do the PS five too. Cause Sony's going to give us a lot of money. So it's like all these things you sort of do to basically hedge success, which is like so much of AAA development is basically like, spending as much money as possible while spending as little money as possible. So you'd have to do all these like micro things to try to like up your chances of success. And like fucking this game was in development for like seven, eight, nine years or something. Like that's a lot of money for like a big team that I'm not sure that the Witcher three money is really paying for. So I'm sure they're like a lot of stuff is happening. Like that's not only like giving them stuff, but also that like, this is sort of what I meant too when I was talking about the market shifting under them where they're like, maybe they're ready to release in 2016 or 2017 and then they get word that the new Xbox is coming out and there's an opportunity, like you're saying, to like be a launch partner for the new Xbox, which is a big deal, but it also means that these other things have to happen and then they're like, okay, well, let's push the release date two years mm -hmm. and then like Red Dead 2 comes out and they're like, oh, do we need a crafting system? Oh, do we need to have pets? Oh, do we need to have this thing? And like, it's like, it's not just one thing. Like the further you get out from that initial plan, the bigger the risk is, even if it seems like it's a safer bet. 
Yeah. And like you're saying, Josh, the shit always happens like nonstop. And it's also sometimes it's like innocuous and small, but it tends to compound over time where it's like, Oh, well, because you're already doing right. this, like why not just add this little thing on at the end? We're already doing then, it for the PS five. Why not for the Xbox series X? You know, like, Oh, you're already doing it for the series X. Why not just also try to do it for the series S yeah. like it, it's right there. And it's all execs who know that they can do it. They just, and, but they just assume that their people are going to take care of like that gap that is clearly there between like, they have only this much time and they have to do this many things. It's like, well, our people are going to take care of it because they work like a hundred hours a week anyway. You know, it's like, that's just the assumption that they make when they're at that level. Cause they don't have to fucking give a shit about any of that. And it's just, it's bad call after bad call. And you can see it. How do you come up with the game that you first showed a preview of like 10 years ago? That cinematic trailer came out like 10 years ago. How do you come out with the game that's been in developed for, the, for that long? And the menu is broken as all fuck. Like everything is broken. Like it doesn't have tutorials. It doesn't have like a lot of the basic things that you expect from like any game in 2020. Like how does that happen? And my answer to that and I think it's become clear through the way this game has the the marketing has been flubbed through the way that there's just been lies, the way that all this stuff stuff is shaken out tells me that it's like it's bad management and it's like terrible executives, a lot of t- just awful decisions and like a just hubris from a company that's like resting on its laurels and that thinks that it can hide all of its bullshit because the gamers are already predisposed to liking them and being against the journalists that are supposed to be telling the stories of how shitty they are. You know, it's like now they have to realize that there's a point where you look, even you look bad in the eyes of the gamers. And, um, yeah, I wonder if the gamers will take the lesson from this. It's like, I don't know. Like it's, it's a thing where I feel like people have reactions to it now, but I also feel like, you know, now that it's sort of out there, I almost feel like, that they have a chance to rebuild their goodwill and nothing gets a gamer more excited than thinking that their feedback. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. like helping the team make the game better. And I feel like it would also be more productive for them to develop the game in that manner. I mean, it sucks now considering where it's at, but like I think about like no man's sky and like the insane hype that I think it's like, it's easy to forget like how hyped no man's sky was like no man's sky was like, the biggest fucking game ever. Like that was like meteoric hype levels for that game. And it came out and was like a fucking wet fart. And then like over the course of two years, they've like really made it into something. And it's like, people love it now. And it's like a great story. And granted the team is much smaller than CDPR. So there's like a personal angle too, but I definitely, I can see ways where like basically CDPR rebuilds their goodwill out of like, working on the game, you know, like they're going to, they're not going to drop it. They're going to keep working on it. They got too much riding on it. They probably already got like four DLC packs planned. They're like multiplayer is still planned. Like they're, it's a longer, it's a longer game for them. And I think that they just really, 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 um, miscalculated how much the gamers would be able to follow them, Mm -hmm. um, into this, like, cause, cause the other thing too, like, Two things are still true. One, it's $60, which like 
that's a lot of money for some things, but it's also, it's one game. And then like the game is also, if it runs, like it's fine. It's not like, like looking at the actual effects and the way that it like reaches you, the consumer to the like place. It's like a solid six, seven out of 10 game. It's fine. It's not the fucking 12 out of 10 that like everybody wanted it to be. And I think that once people sort of settle into being like, it's a mediocre game. It's not my dream. It's going to get better. Like it's, it's a more productive and healthy road, sort of everything. But right now is like a big ass kerfuffle as like, I don't know. To me, it's the it's people's hearts. To me, are the story broken. is and a thing that like really oh, it, like it pisses me off is just the the extent of the lying, the like bald facedness and like there's just no attempt to conceal these things as lies while also throwing like journalists and stuff under the bus. Like they're throwing people under the bus here. And it's just yeah, the, like the the definitely like the sort of sicking the gamers on the journalist thing is like incredibly shitty. It's like and it's, I think it's the that equivalent like, of like like a kid throwing a rock at someone. I was like, oh, he did it. You know, that's exactly what. Yeah. It, but from a fucking corporation, like, don't trust corpos, man. Can't ever, you was you can take the rat out of the corpo, but you can't take the corporal out of the rat. <laughs> you know, there's a trans character in this game that has a trans flag on their car. I don't even know. I think, that, okay, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. I think one other thing about this game is that like, I think there's a real tendency in games journalists, and I'm going to be incredibly overreaching here with this statement, that minus the lovely people we have on bad end, who I think have a sort of complexity of opinion and understanding about media products, there's a lot of ways that people look at big games and try to collapse them into single things. And there's like, a lot of like the bad, like bad shit and like CD project red games writ large. Like, don't forget, this is the people who said that you couldn't have like black people in the Witcher because it's it was historically history, accurate got, to our fantasy got, like, game. Fucking gri Griffins. Yeah. Um, like this is a big game made by a lot of people with a lot of different ideas mm -hmm. <laughs> and to like make a blanket statement about like what cyberpunk is, is like not a thing I really feel like anybody is capable of doing for like at least a few weeks. <laughs> like there's just so much stuff in this game. That's like all the messages are muddy. There's no, like the game is not like outwardly transphobic, but it's definitely got transphobic elements. It's not like anti, racist or not excuse me it's not like anti-race somebody but there's definitely stuff that's racist in the game and it's like it's just kind of like a big dumb video game that has no cohesive ideology and trying to say that it's like one thing or another just feels like i don't know i'm just i'm not there with people who think that they can make some claim about what cyberpunk is because it's like who gets to even decide what cyberpunk is like this game is made by hundreds of people some of which you probably, maybe only one person ever has had the whole vision of what the game even has inside of it. There's just like so, and it's also like, unlike something like GTA, which I think for as big and produced as those games, or even like fucking Red Dead, there's like cohesive ideologies that overarch those games. I think because Rockstar is a talented studio, despite all of their like issues with labor, like something like GTA five is like deeply cynical about the state of like America, 
and, and like even if even if GTA Four is almost like a story of hope, there's these sort of like currents that they reinforce through side stories, where cyberpunk is just a fucking shotgun of like whatever cyberpunk shit they could come up with, such that it feels like you're like flipping through like a like like the cyberpunk table, tabletop RPG or something, and just sort of reading little snippets, and like the only ideology I feel like cyberpunk has is that it's like cyberpunk exists like it doesn't really condemn it it also doesn't praise it it also is like it's just this weird thing that like feels like it's had a million hands on it none of which necessarily even agree with each other about like what this thing should be so i mean it's a worse game for that for sure but also i think that like reckoning with cyberpunk as a thing is sort of a is a bigger endeavor than i think that people are maybe willing to like actually engage with because it's yeah like, like it's fucking incapable. big and it like it defies that because it's so like big. it's incapable of making an effective political statement in yeah. any direction you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah. if there's something that like is not that is not like culturally sensitive enough there's like there's another like opposite moment where it's like trying to be culturally sensitive like but it's also yeah. like bro you i'm not gonna take anything you say seriously like i'm you're never gonna be a champion of like trans representation because like i've already seen the other shit there's a trans done, flag on bro. your like i've already truck. i already saw that tweet <laughs> from your company you know and it's like you just it's just this and it's it's funny because as a cyberpunk like anti-corporate quote game it is like the ultimate culp- corporate sludge and just it's like an yeah. oatmeal with some strawberries in it sometimes that you eat. and you're like oh the strawberries <laughs> are good but the rest is just but they're fucking dried oatmeal. strawberries yeah <laughs> and it's just it's all because of like this these corporate decisions that have made it such and that's what you eat it's like uh and so hence we get back to why disco elysium is the best game of the past decade i mean <laughs> It becomes clearer every year, you know, <laughs> every year. <laughs> which by the way, maybe we should get the band back together for this, these new disco Elysium. I know. I'm like, I got to play through it again. Coming out. Get the, get the band back together for some Savoir Faire disco Elysium podcast. Ultimate. It's like, I don't remember the edition's called. Director's cut. Or some shit. Director's cut. I don't think it is actually. Dude. Oh man. I ordered the thought cabinet t-shirt. So I'm excited what to have that thing t-shirt? arrive. The Thought Cabinet. They have released a shop. Oh. And they have a... Oh, that's awesome. Listen, I, I love Disco Elysium, but the merch is kind of bad. So if you're listening, Zom, Chris Priestman, step it, happens, it up. It happens. You, you could do, you could do it's better. Merch, it's but merch. the Thought Cabinet t-shirt is dope. It's a, it's a print all over shirt that's got the Thought Cabinet stuff. Mm. So I'm excited for that. Interesting. If nothing else. Interesting. You got anything more to say about cyberpunk? Yeah, but we could probably say it another time. It's not like we should. We'll probably do. I'm sure we'll do like a spoiler cast. It's not game of the year at some point. It's not game of the year. No, no. By any stretch, I wouldn't even say it's on the list. It might be somewhere. My on the list. list. I should. I it should probably wrap up my 10. thoughts on the game as as to like how I actually feel about it, as opposed to like talking about it. Which is that I um. I have this baseline like fascination with things that I've talked about on this show, which is like, I have this very, there's a very like easy, like sine wave, like brain state that I go into 
when I play like a certain type of game that I just fall into it and it sucks me in until it's over. Like uh, a lot of like RPGs are like this for me. And Cyberpunk, it's fulfilling that just because of the fact that it's like an open world and I have stuff to look at that is like designed and I can like shoot people in this world and like have friction with it and feel what it feels like and see what it looks like and see new parts of it and interact with new characters in it, which is to me something that I enjoy partaking in, even if I don't think that it's like good relative to other things. You know what I'm saying? Even if a GTA, you know, even a GTA three is not like, you know, that game is great because like it changed the form, but nobody remembers like the fucking story and like it didn't do anything interesting in like that respect everything was like built upon later but it's still like fascinating to me to like be in a world and exploring it and that's how i feel with cyberpunk like i'm gonna play it more i'm gonna play it to its finish i'm going to probably enjoy it i'm probably gonna enjoy the shooting and the fucking upgrading guns and seeing what my guns do and shit like that but i that does not in itself make this a good game i think there are a lot of things that keep it from that that being said, it's got some good bright spots that I enjoy that put it up there for me as far as like recent game experiences. Um, but again, I don't know if it's like necessarily game of the year type shit. How do you feel? In some ways, it's like, I don't know. My, the, the phrase in my mind is like just profoundly forgettable. Like it's, it really, it just feels like a, six seven out of ten game you're like yeah this feels like a a minor effort by a studio that's good at like making stuff like the game is pretty but you're like i don't know it's not even with all like the good character stuff like especially for me as like you know the things that i like to do like i was just talking about caring about specific heat capacity in a colony sim game like this has got like very little of what I like to do in games when I like to spend my time doing. And I'm like, I don't know, like I'm, it's fine, but like I can get better cyberpunk stories really easily in a lot of different places that are like not this game. I don't know if I'll beat it. I'll probably play it more just cause you know, Christmas break is coming up here very soon. Um, so it'll be like a fun thing to play, but also like, it's as someone who is, you know, getting older and I have a wife and I have other hobbies and I'm doing other things. Like there are better games I can play in the amount of time that I can typically play a game in a given day that can give me a more meaningful experience in the amount of time I play it. And like that, unfortunately is a calculus I make. So like if I've got 30 or 40 minutes in the coming weeks, like I might just do a Hades run or I like, I might play like a little bit of oxygen not included, or I might just like do a level in origami King. I don't want to like spend 45 minutes futzing with cyberpunk settings to make it. So my mission stops crashing. Like that's not what I enjoy about games. And even, even when the, if it works right, the payoff is not that great. And I'm like, I don't know, like it's fine. Brain dance is kind of cool, but like, I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's, I mean, it's, People it's sort of are the definitely same getting that, like, some Caesars off that shit, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other up. fucking 
bullshit. I watched that and I was like, this is, is, you should be able to skip this for sure. It's just like, so I think that's where I'm landing on where it's like, if I'm going to play a video game, if I've got like, you know, six hours, five hours to sit down, play something, which I very well will have this Christmas to like get a nice schlocky cyberpunk story. Like, yeah, play some cyberpunk, but like, I think especially once like the hype wave is gone from everybody, my own will to play it will be low. What's nice now is that it's in the discourse people are talking about and it's fun to play something when it's like that. But like, like I said, like if I only got a few hours, like I'm going to play Hades. I'm going to like go run around an animal crossing cause it's nice in the snow. Like the cyberpunk world doesn't feel exciting or surprising or creative in a way that is fun to engage with necessarily. It's like, it feels even aggressive towards you in that, in that triple a way where it's like, everything's got to feel like sort of painful to do. And you got to every fucking NPC in this game, like just yells at you. Yeah. They're like, you just talk to someone. They're like, watch where the fuck you're going. And it's like, I just, I said, hello. What are you fucking yelling at me? Every single person, even like the fucking kids. That's one, another one of those things. So like, just, why? It's like, just like, made I don't know. It's decision. not, it's not great to play. It's not a compelling fantasy. It's like, so I don't know. I'll probably play it as long as it's like in the discourse and then may or may not return to it. But yeah, six out of seven out of 10. I don't know. It's like, if you have no hype for the game, you'll enjoy it more than someone who spent the last six years of their life thinking this was going to be the second coming of our Lord and savior. So kill your hype, kill your hype. Don't get pulled in the hype. It never, never works out. Hype is, it's a lie, dude. You know, the hype is a lie. Why don't you just let the game move you? Don't force yourself to be moved by the game. It's more effective that way. All right. That uh, that should just about do it for this week's episode of Bad End. Unless Kyle, you have anything to add? No. All no. right. Well, um, that's thank it. you for listening to Bad End Podcast. Uh, we hope you had as much fun as we did discussing this game, <laughs> and that maybe you had a better experience with it than we did. Um, or but it's very likely that you had a worse one if you played it on PS4 or five or Xbox. But um, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. Um, we are also emailable at badendpod at gmail.com you can contribute to our patreon and or become a member of our discord by finding us on patreon patreon.com slash bad and we got a great community of people there check us out like shouts out to all of our discord peeps um rate us and review us on itunes that is super super helpful and we are part of super culture which is a larger network of really cool websites and shows podcasts including bullet points check them out they got a great podcast shouts out reed mccarter yusuf cole ed smith love you all um and we will see you in a couple of weeks ciao